everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett, and the head odds maker of Bavada Sportsbook is the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, I just want you to know this is the 27th episode of Bavada at Odds podcast. Do you know how many podcasts actually go to 27 episodes? Not many. <laughs> it's no, it... You would think because of so many podcasts out there, it dwindles as the numbers go on. And I'm fortunate to have podcasts that are now, you know, close to 300 for Sports with Friends and over 200 for Hall of Justice. But man, I've I've seen so many podcasts come and go. We're sticking with this. The haters said it couldn't be done, Seth. And yet here we are sticking it to all of them in spite of them. And you know what? Uh, I'm willing to keep doing this as long as you are. Good. Let's do it. Let's get to the NBA. We'll do NBA and college basketball. We'll stick to the hardwood today. Um, the NBA, Blake Griffin signed with the Nets. And after he got his release from the Pistons, you know, immediately, like, this is what I love about the NBA. It, it immediately becomes, well, Blake Griffin wants to go to the Nets because they have a chance to win. And no offense to the Adrian Wojnarowski's and the Sham Sharania's, but you you want any NBA rumors? Just ask the players because they're sibs and they don't stop talking. Um, he wanted to be a net. He told everybody he wanted to be a net. Well, the Nets signed him. And now are they now the head, uh, the favorite to win the NBA title? Well, Seth, they've uh, they've certainly narrowed that gap with the Lakers, who have uh, you know been at the front of that pack the entire season. Uh, the Lakers are currently plus two sixty, and the Nets are right along with them. They are both plus two sixty co favorites now to win the NBA uh, Finals this year at Pavada. The first time the Lakers have had to share that spot. The Nets had been hovering uh, around uh, three to one plus three fifty the last month or so prior to this signing. Uh, I mean, a lot of interesting feedback on what it means to have uh, Blake Griffin on the Nets. Uh, if you look at his raw numbers, uh, certainly not an impressive uh, go of it in, uh, with the Pistons, whether it was this season or years prior. Um, but I mean, it, it's an insurance policy. It's it's depth off the bench. It's, uh, you know, who knows exactly what kind of impact he'll be able to give them, whether he's able to round into form. Uh, we've certainly seen that with NBA players in the past that, uh you know, a former star or you know, still technically a star, depending on who you ask, uh, in a bad situation, going to a good team, able to elevate them and give a lot more of that talent in perhaps uh, less minutes, being that much more effective without the workload that he may be used to. So, uh, I, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt the Nets. Uh, I did see some Celtics fans uh, in my timeline saying, oh, yeah, you know, play him 30, 35 minutes. We'd love to see that. But, uh, I mean, for a team <laughs> like the Nets that are gearing up for this run, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it certainly helps. It gives them that uh, insurance policy uh, if they were to run into injuries. And you never know. A team like that with a legit championship, uh, with legit championship aspirations, uh, you know, if that's not going to make Blake Griffin elevate his game in a way that playing for the Detroit Pistons certainly won't. I mean, I don't know what will. Well, and this is less of a comment on the odds. What I just hope is last year during the bubble, we talked about this, remember, in the beginning of this podcast, um, not this episode, but the beginning of the podcast, um, that I thought when it was the NBA bubble and there wasn't travel, we saw more competitive balance. And you saw teams like Denver make runs. Miami made a run. Um, now, 
it's just going to be interesting. Is this going to be a Nets Lakers final? What do the Clippers have to say about this? The Utah Jazz are a really good team, and I don't even think we've mentioned them on this show. We do talk about Milwaukee and the Sixers. We talk about the, the Celtics often, but here's the Utah Jazz, and aren't they have great odds to win the title? You're absolutely right, Seth, and that's a great segue into the difference between uh, the bubble and teams that can travel this year. Um, you know, yeah, the Nuggets performed well last year and the Jazz to an extent, but those are two teams with uh, the largest home court advantages in the NBA because of the elevation factors at play when they get to host, uh, uh, you know, whoever, whether it be the Lakers, whether it be, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns or the Clippers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, playing in Utah, playing in Denver, uh, you know, especially on tight schedules, which the NBA is trying to complete this season under, uh, that's much more difficult than it did under the bubble. I think uh, the bubble was the great equalizer. And also we saw some really good and effective offensive basketball last year as players were able to perform on the exact same surface in the exact same circumstances every single day. Uh, yeah, their personal lives probably weren't all that great, but you couldn't argue with the quality of basketball. So I think we see a return to normalcy in the sense that home court advantage will have that meaning again. You know, maybe not so much from a fan point of view, but elevation is huge. Those fourth quarters in U uh, Utah are massive disparities. And yeah, we're talking about the Utah Jazz, seven to one to win the NBA finals this year. They are not under the radar anymore. I'd say any team that's under 15 to one's got a legit chance. The Lakers and Nets, yeah, they are the expected ones there. And the Clippers are right there too. But yeah, the Utah Jazz, they have been under the radar for most of the season, except this last month. They are legit. Well, and what it means for the playoffs, the playoffs have a chance to be really compelling because, you know, seeding is going to make a difference because who in the conference semifinals will get Utah? If it's, they're going to play either the Lakers or the Clippers. And then you have the issue of, you know, that can be an exhausting series. You're not guaranteed to win it. And then you have, let, let's just assume uh, it's, it's the Jazz against either the Lakers or the Clippers. The Jazz have a chance to play both Los Angeles teams back to back in the semis and the conference finals. And I just think that's really, really hard and for any team, let alone the Utah Jazz. Absolutely. And once again, we speak to uh, what has been the case for, gosh, it seems like a decade now, but I don't know how many years where the West uh, has this tendency where it's just, it's so, you know, there's so much talent in the West that they have this tendency or this possibility of beating up on each other in a way that you don't really see in the East, uh, which, you know, not to downplay his successes, but when LeBron played with Cleveland, when LeBron played with Miami, it was a slightly easier path to get to those NBA finals than it was to come out of the West where you have the Lakers, you have the Clippers, you have the jazz, gosh, you have Denver, you know, Portland uh, is not a slouch. Uh, if they get in uh, gosh, they uh, took some teams to seven games last year. And were one of our larger liabilities in that bubble at Bavada as they continue to progress through. So, uh, you know, I, I think if uh, that's part of why the nets are kind of co-favorites with the Lakers right now, because of that easier path, they will have coming out of the East. Uh, yeah, they're co-favorites. We would have Lakers as uh, favorites head-to-head -head in that matchup, but the Lakers right. got to get through a, a much tougher path just to get to the championship. All right. This week is a majority of the college conference tournaments in basketball. This is always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, 
I always question the meaningfulness of them. Yes, for the smaller conferences, that's how they choose who gets a, a bid to the NCAA tournament. For some of these that have four, five, six teams going, I never really understand if this is a big deal to win. The only teams that matter in conference tournaments are bubble teams. Uh, and we can start in the ACC because you have bubble teams like you know, Duke, you have uh, Syracuse, you have North Carolina. They're all bubble teams. And the reality of it is, is a big showing in the ACC tournament. But the favorites are all going to the NCAA tournament anyway. Florida State's going. Virginia's going. Georgia Tech's going. So it doesn't make a difference. Right. And there's this weird contrast between uh, mid-majors and uh, the larger conferences and what they're looking to get out of these. I mean, you could have the so-called bid thieves come out of the mid-majors and, uh, you know, a, a team that by and far has been the best team all season uh, could end up losing this spot just because they lost uh, one uh, neutral court game. Now, that's not going to be the case with a team like Gonzaga, who is going to be the first overall seed, is going to more than likely win the WCC. They are minus a thousand favorites at Bovada right now. But you look at the opportunities that the larger conference tourneys give to teams like Duke. Duke is right now out. Uh, Duke is looking like they're going to miss the NCAA tournament, barring a half-decent run in the ACC. And that half-decent run uh, may be not just three wins might not be enough. But we talked uh, before, Seth, about uh, the Connecticut Kemba Walker run however many years ago. Gosh, I'm dating myself now. Yeah. And that's the only reason that yeah, they are. got to the NCAA tournament that year and then went on to win it. Probably one of the greater runs in uh, modern college basketball history, thinking about a team that was on the outside looking in, going on to win it. Uh, and when you look at the ACC right now, gosh, that's a pretty wide open tournament. Uh, it's, it's Florida State at the top. It's uh, Virginia right there as well, both as co-favorites. Looking at teams like Duke, Duke's 20 to 1 to win it. Uh, Syracuse about 25 to 1 to win the ACC right now. Syracuse looking much better right now, currently projected at Bavada to be one of those tournament teams, although ever so slightly on the bubble, looking better than Duke. Uh, and then from an analytics point of view, uh, you got to like Georgia Tech. They've been the most bet on so far in the ACC. They open up at 20 to 1, down to 8 to 1 right now. Clemson, 100 to 1, dropped down to 15 to 1. And those are two teams that the Ken Palm community, the, uh, you know, the four factors of looking at how teams should be playing college basketball, very popular with those groups of people who then kind of translate to being very popular with sharp betters as well. So that's the early movement we've seen so far on the ACC. And yeah, very quickly, Seth, I sneaky like conference basketball tourney week a little Dude. bit more. Then I do the uh, national cha Then those first four days, first four days are crazy, but they're over. It's I, you know, uh, this, this week is fun. They fly under the radar. Uh, no, I, you know, that's your personal opinion, but I'll be <laughs> honest. I like the, uh, the NCAA tournaments first four. I, I, I like that weekend. Um, I just like either you're in or you're out. And if you're in it's everything is win or die. Um, I do have a standard joke that when my Syracuse Orange are eliminated, I stop watching. Uh, that's not really true, but it is a standard joke, and I'll tweet it. <laughs> I promise. I'll, I tweet it every year. Um, the conference tournaments used to be, it, to me, it feels like something's lost. And I, I hate to go on this tangent because I do it on my podcast all the time. Uh, as a Syracuse alum, I miss the Big East tournament. The Big East mm. tournament used to be the big deal. If I wasn't at spring training during my entire career, I made sure I got to the garden to see the Big East tournament because the Big East tournament used to be there were like five teams and every one of them could have won. Yeah, they were favorites every year, but 
every year winning the Big East tournament wasn't insurmountable. Every year with the ACC tournament, obviously last year, the whole thing got canceled. But every year with the ACC tournament, since Syracuse is in there, they are the fourth or fifth best team on a good year. They are the eighth or ninth team in the in the conference on a mediocre year. And you're never going to see Syracuse as the number one, number two, number three. Now, you could argue that in a COVID year, it's usually Duke and Carolina, but that's how deep the ACC has. And I'm sorry, but it has exposed Syracuse as being mediocre. And that's not what I want my alma mater to be. All right. So a couple of things there. I think you made a, a really good point about, you know, something feeling like they're missing from the gravity of these tournaments, especially historically. Um, and it reminded me of uh, looking at the Big Ten right now. And I, I look at okay. Illinois. Illinois is a one seed. And, yep. and really nice uh, comeback win against Ohio State. They were looking not so hot late on Sunday. Uh, two they to one odds. Is that right? I beg your pardon? They're two to one odds to win the Big Ten. That's right. Two to one odds at Bavada right now, just behind Michigan. And really, for both of those two teams that are locked in as one seeds, what do they have to play for what, in this Big point, Ten right? tournament coming? And I used to think about this uh, going back the last five, six years, when Kansas would routinely win either the Big 12 outright or a share of the Big 12. And then, and then you could almost the set your watch right. to checking out of the Big 12 tourney regularly. Uh, you know, you'd end up with like a Missouri or a Baylor that would end up taking it. Because, you know, if you are a Bill Self and Kansas – you know, that regular season title means something, you know, you built up who you are for start to finish, but that break leading up into the tournament is much more impactful than a big 12 tournament run. You're Kansas. You don't, you, you don't need that auto bid coming out of the big 12. You've locked up your ticket to the big, you know, I, I actually tweeted this out on uh, Sunday, Seth, after Illinois uh, finished it. Congrats to Illinois. What a great win. Now go play all your freshmen in the big 10 tourney and rest up. Cause I hold an Illinois national uh, championship ticket this year at 25 to one from earlier in the season currently uh, down to eight to one at Bavada right now but there is nothing for them to play for and if you're Gonzaga as well all you can do playing in this WCC tournament right now is get hurt you are the best and physically hurt now you could lose the first round uh you know first round that you play because it'll probably be buys but that doesn't have the impact it's what you're talking about is actually physically hurt yeah, and, and they can't improve their resume uh, aside from, you know, one little extra trophy, which if you're Gonzaga, uh, there's not room on the shelf for another WCC, uh, you know, tournament trophy. That is what we expect of them each year. You know, maybe sometimes St. Mary's uh, is able to surprise them, but Gonzaga is a team that has to get over this hump of NCAA tournament disappointment. They've had more than a few one seeds uh, in my time. And they just don't quite pull it out. And don't get me wrong. It's very tough to do when you have 64 plus four teams to try and sort through. But, you know, if there ever was a year looking at the efficiency ratings for a team like Gonzaga, you know, Michigan is there. Baylor's uh, right there. They've slipped a little bit recently in terms of how hot. But Gonzaga is now in that class by itself right now. A two to one favorite to win the NCAA tournament at Bavada in a tournament that has 68 teams. That's nuts, Seth. That's how good this team is. However, because it's one game on a neutral site, anything can and does happen. Uh, it, it's March. It's craziness. It's three-point shooting that goes cold over a stretch, and that's it. You're done. Uh, it's tough. The pressure is on Gonzaga in a way that never has been before. 
I would get rested. I would get focused. These games are like preseason games. If you're Gonzaga, they do nothing for you at this point. Now, if you feel like you need to run through the motions, maybe player players 10, 15 minutes, or some coaches think they need that psychological edge to keep their players sharp and hungry. I don't know what they're going to learn or do. If you're a good coach and a good program like Gonzaga has, I just don't see the benefit. And again, selfishly for my Illinois, currently eight to one to win the NCAA tournament, got them a 25 to one. I don't want them playing this week. So I agree, you know, for the mid-majors, uh, it's interesting. And I do have to circle back for one last thing because uh, I did say I like these tournaments uh, more. I like them more because I'm generally better at betting these than I am that, the that, NCAA okay, tournament that's different. itself. So that's I've, got, I've got an angle. Yeah, I did vary yeah. the lead a little bit. It's not necessarily the entertainment factor. It's it's seeing some of the movement, especially in teams like a Georgia Tech at 20 to 1 that drops down to 8 to 1, a Clemson at 100 to 1 that drops down to 15 to 1. Um, because of, you know, maybe some of those teams at the top of the ACC, maybe they're looking ahead towards the tournament as well. There's an angle to shoot. Whereas when it, becomes, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it's pretty clear what everyone's trying to do. Win in advance, win in advance, leave it all out there. We're not looking past it. There, there's no, uh, gosh, what? There's, there's no trap game where a team's looking ahead to the following week in the NCAA tourney. You know, we're not managing minutes. We're not, you know, maybe in those one sixteen games, but uh, that's certainly the exception, not the rule. You're absolutely right. So, yes, if you have a, well, first of all, you have a longer bet because you have Illinois winning, the, the question then that becomes this is not compelling television from a standpoint and the ratings show this um, the first week of the NCAA tournament, every game gets a very solid number. Some games get more than others, but every game gets a solid number of viewers for this. It's all over the place. First of all, the tournaments are on different networks. There's all, you know, everything's all over the place. Some games have relevance. Some games don't. And they're all predetermined conference agreements with certain um, television deals. You know what I mean? Like the Big East has to be on Fox and the ACC has to be on ESPN, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it goes on and on and on. And for that, that is is interesting. One tournament I want to ask you about uh, as we kind of put a bow on this, the SEC tournament. And that's Alabama. Uh, Alabama's uh, great this year. And it's so funny because they're usually great at football. And when they're great at football, they want to make sure everybody knows it. This is different. (laughs) This just feels different, is different. Alabama being great at basketball just feels weird. Yeah, it's it's been you know, a really under the radar story this year to the extent that, you know, college basketball just doesn't really kind of get the traction uh, really until January um, for, for a lot of reasons. You see non-conference stuff, you see awkward schedule stuff uh, and really, you know, I, I don't know. It feels like we've had the absence of the big Monday, the super Tuesday, no super Tuesdays politics. Did they call it super Tuesday for the uh, SCC games as well that normally play on Tuesday, but yeah, you're, you're right. Alabama. And of course, under the shadow of Alabama football, doing what Alabama football does year in Europe, uh, quietly a top 20 team in uh, college basketball this year, based on our internal rankings so far, Arkansas as well. You know, who thinks of Arkansas basketball, Arkansas just behind Alabama and that SEC tournament, Alabama is two to one to win the tournament at Bavada right now. Arkansas right behind him at plus 230. Two teams that you do not associate with quality basketball in the SEC. Where's my Florida? Where's my Tennessee? Where's my Kentucky? Kentucky, gosh, we've talked at length, Seth, with all these blue blood teams that have, you know, 
just kind of plodded through the season this year. And Kentucky at plus 750 to win the SEC tournament right now. Our biggest liability at Pavada, because that is one thing that we do see, uh, if nothing else, is that these blue blood teams, whether it be Kentucky, whether it be Duke, whether it be North Carolina, even if they're not playing particularly well, they still draw those dollars. I think it really speaks to the fact that college basketball, uh, we probably still have more of a recreational and public player base betting on teams more than they are betting on players and performance. There's a lot of history here. And if you don't know anything else, you know, Kentucky is supposed to be good. You know, Duke's supposed to be good, even if that's not really quite translating so far. So yeah, it's odd to me. I mean, I'll, I'll be quite, I'll, I'll cop to this right now that I was aware of how good Alabama has been this year, but it kind of snuck up on me a little bit how well Arkansas has been playing and how, uh, you know, decent their shots are to not just do well in the SEC tournament, but perhaps make a little mini run in the NCAA tourneys. Uh, it should be, you know, it should be interesting. And like I said, um, I think this is where it gets regional. You know, the Southeast will watch the SEC. The, um, the, the East will watch the ACC. The West will watch the Pac-12. The, the, like it gets regional. Then next week it turns national because Wisconsin can play Alabama. I'm just making up matchups for, for, or Gonzaga can play North Carolina. Again, these are, I'm just, I'm picking regions, not teams. And all of a sudden everyone's invested and you're invested from a gambling standpoint. You're invested from a entertainment standpoint. The NCAA tournament is a spectacle. It's an amazing thing, but what I've noticed in the last, I would say 10 years, the growth of the NCAA tournament has led to the irrelevance of the rest of college basketball. Would you subscribe to that? To an extent, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think we see some version of this with college football playoff as well, in which, you know, they're not too particularly interesting either. I, I think, uh, you know, as much as we have arguments about people expanding the playoff, uh, you know, those semifinals more often than not aren't very good games. But I, I would say one last point on these tournaments, as much as they are, you know, especially the larger conferences, you know, kind of manufactured excitement. If a team like Duke or a team like Kentucky, again, plus 750 and uh, eight to one respectively to win their conference tourneys can make that run. And in the case of Duke can potentially be a bid thief. Uh, you know, all of a sudden that ACC tournament becomes a little bit more interesting. Uh, certainly if you're one of those mid-majors on the bubble, but you know, Duke, ha Duke is that team that outside of North Carolina does have that national kind of following as well. Mike Krzyzewski is USA basketball for a lot of people. Hey, listen, if they're in the mix and they're, you know, playing in that ACC semis and maybe making to the ACC championship, all of a sudden that becomes a ratings game. But you're right, not because of the prestige of the tournament. Uh, we're talking bid thieves now, you know, and it's not about the trophy. It's about uh, buying their way in to uh, the big dance. So uh, it's interesting how it may become something that becomes not must see, but decent ratings TV. But otherwise, yeah, as it currently stands at face value, it's not too compelling. So what do people bet on? Do the people bet on individual tournaments? Like, is that a, is that a major thing that people go, they go to Bavada and they do, they bet on um, this team to make the NCAAs like we were talking about last week, or is it to win the sec tournament or to win the PAC 12 tournament? Is that how it goes? Yeah. So generally speaking, the futures will take uh, the most amount of money. It's because, you know, folks like their lottery shots and, and Hey, listen, they were able to clearly find some discrepancies right. the, the in the future, market. Right. To, I, the uh, futures make perfect sense. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we talked about the ability to angle shoots. If you think that there may be some, uh, you know, motivation issues with teams that have already punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, so, and, and there's teams that, you know, I'll, I'll be quite honest, sometimes we just miss on from an analytics point of view. Uh, and, you know, maybe we get caught trying to be too cute. I mean, Georgia Tech was not a popular team throughout the year. Clemson, certainly in the ACC, not a popular team. But when we had this opportunity to drill down and look a little bit further and see, okay, you know what, maybe they haven't got the results, but the sum of their parts would expect a much more respectable output. You know, it's worth taking that shot. And for teams that are 20 to one or 101 or higher, you know, throwing 50 to 100 bucks on that is a pretty nice return and not something that you really feel like you have to put yourself out there on. So when you have futures like this, and it'll be the same thing when we get to the tournament next week. Uh, you know, that's where the majority of handle is going to be because you just end up getting a lot of players trickling little bits on stuff like that. Having said that, as we get close to the tournament, you're going to see a lot more player props, a lot more specials around regionals. You know, will a one seed go down again? Uh, you know, th that's where it starts to get really fun and a lot more opportunities for players. And, you know, I think we'll have a good time getting into that next week. All right. We will do that next week. Next week, a big one, because that's, one of the biggest gambling weekends of the year. Uh, we have talked about it in the past. It's presidential elections, the Super Bowl, and the NCAA tournament. And when people talk about the NCAA tournament, let's face it, it's this. It's next week. It's it, yes, the, the the Sweet Sixteen is big, and the the Elite Eight is big, and the Final Four gets big. But the big one is this week, and I think it's what streaming has done and what the tournament has become. I really missed it last year. I really felt awful that it couldn't be played. It was just the bad timing. It was because we didn't know what it could have been. Been If the, this bubble works like the NBA did in their playoffs last year, this has a chance to be a really, really great event. I understand there's going to be limited fans all for it. Go for it. Hopefully everyone's vaccinated. Get, you know, hopefully everybody's safe while we do it. I just want this to be super entertaining because I take a break from my other sports. I really do. I take a break from my other sports and the NCAA tournament captivates. And then right around the corner, it's opening day. And my biggest regret, and I'll tell you my biggest regret from an NCAA tournament standpoint is Syracuse's final four national championship run in 2003. A bunch of my alum friends said, we're going to the final four. All these people I went to college with were going. And I wanted to go, but I was an employee of Major League Baseball. And there are probably like six days you can't take off. And opening day is one of them. <laughs> and I, I declined. And when Syracuse won their first and only national championship, all my buddies were there and I wasn't. And thank God social media didn't exist back then because, wow, you talk about FOMO. That would have been the worst. It was the worst feeling and we didn't have social media. And if the NCAA is not your thing, uh, you know, I, I would point out, I'll, same as you, Seth, this is what we're going to be paying attention to at Bavada because, again, we're going to have so many different things to offer for it. But also, it's it's most interesting thing out there. So, you know, might be a good time to try and sneak one in on us on, you know, MLBX or NHL or NBA because, yeah, we are not going to be paying as tight attention to that because that's not where the most amount of money is going to be. As you said, this is going to be our biggest event surely of the month and as it bleeds into April and historically, yeah, it's just right there with the Super Bowl. Uh, and yeah, now in these bizarre times, presidential elections, but uh, you know, we'll see what will be the next big event after that. But yeah, it'll be March madness. That will be maintaining, you know, about 95% of our attention for the next 30, 45 days. That's the great Patrick Morrow. This is the Bavada at odds podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And yep, buckle up, folks. College hoops, we're going to be there. We'll see you next week. <laughs>